0: A weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield, May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org/thrive.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com.
0: Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Learn how to eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran.
2: It's a new year and about to be epiphany. That is a holiday that I celebrate on January 6th because I love the idea of having an epiphany. Why not an aha for the new year instead of a bunch of resolutions that we often give up on? So my aha for this day is, oh, my gosh, how far we've come in vegan business, food and fashion. And you know what else? Attitude. We've got some attitude going on for 2022. Welcome to the very first broadcast of the Main Street Vegan Podcast's 10th year. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, your host. I have two wonderful guests today. After the break, we're going to be talking with Anique Ireland of Immaculate Vegan, which is a fabulous fashion site. Oh my gosh, you're going to love the clothes. And right now, we're going to be talking about the food side and the ethical side and the capital side of this great, amazing vegan world that is growing up around us and not a minute too soon. So my guest and how appropriate since it's January is the co-founder of Veganuary, Matthew Glover. So he and his wife, Jane Lan, founded Veganuary back in 2014. The campaign has grown from 3,300 participants in the first year to nearly 600 People signing up to the website in January 2021. And I know that this year it's going to be even more. And Matthew and Jane now serve as trustees on that board and provide advice to the growing team of vegan change makers. And otherwise, Matthew is a business activist focused on removing animals from the food system. He has so much going on, but he wrote me this sweet note, and I'm going to read it to you. And it says I get excited about sparing animals from suffering. That's why I get out of bed every morning. Matthew Glover, we're so happy you got up this morning and can join us. How are things?
3: Uh, Things are good, uh, Victoria. I'm really honored to be on on this podcast with you. i have been such an admirer of your work. And uh, we've hung out, I think, at animal rights conferences and such like. So I'm always inspired by everything that you do.
2: Well, I mean, I am blown away by what you guys have come up with. And speaking of animal rights conferences, I am reading that VegFest UK will actually be in person again in November. Fingers crossed that that all works out. And I didn't I
3: didn't know that. Um, So and I'm in the UK. I didn't know that. So there we go.
2: Well. You know, sometimes things pop up on your feed. You know, other times I'll have family members say, didn't you see that? I posted that. It's like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but other times, you know, you'll have random information and then feel like you're really in the know. So I talked about Veganuary and we will talk about that. But oh, my gosh, you have this product. And I got a taste of it at the Plant-Based World Expo in New York City, Um earlier and i mean it's it's chicken without the chicken so do tell
3: yeah thank you and and uh, i mean it was great to see you at the show and, and uh, uh like you say events are opening up now aren't they which is amazing to be back meeting people face to face yeah so um we launched vfc uh which is vegan fried chicken we put a little asterisks in the chicken you know because uh Uh, We are finding we're getting a lot of trolls on the internet saying we can't call it chicken. Um, (laughs) But uh, ultimately, um, you know, chickens are the most abused land animals on the planet. So that was the main motivation uh, for wanting to set the company up. And it it came around uh, through COVID and the lockdown because um, there was a restaurant in uh, our hometown in York, not New York. It's more like Old York in the UK. And uh, uh, I got to know Adam, who was the restaurant owner, um, as a customer. And then when COVID struck and the lockdown uh, happened, we we chatted via Zoom actually. And uh, um, he had a product on his menu called vegan fried chicken. And I said, Adam, you know what? what uh, uh, you know, I'm missing this product. And he said, I'll tell you what, Matthew, I'll I'll send some to you. Uh, I'll freeze it, and uh, you can put it straight in your oven and see how it goes. So. I was the first customer of vegan fried chicken and uh, I rang him up and I said, Adam, we need to talk because uh, we think, I think we could sell this product. So it's been an amazing journey over the last, in fact, today, um, we've just been trading for 12 months. Um, We started out producing it in his restaurant kitchen um, as a direct to consumer brand. And then more recently, we've just launched in Tesco, which is the biggest retailer in the UK. Uh, It's going very well there. And um, we've got some other listings coming in the next uh, few weeks, which I can't tell you about, but they are coming. And then, you know, we were really, it was great to get the feedback from the US because, you know, the US is the home of KFC and we wanted to bring uh, VFC uh, to to the US uh, with our sort of unique British sort of uh, slant on it. So I'm glad you enjoyed the product as well, Victoria.
2: It was it was really, really good. I mean, it was a big thick (laughs) like piece of veggie meat and a wonderful burger. And you know, sometimes people say, Well, what's wrong with you vegans? You know, that you want something that tastes like meat. And I think we can very well get along with things that don't taste like meat, because those of us who've been vegan as long as I have did. And yet there's this memory. I remember reading that the very first plant meats were developed by Japanese Buddhist monks like 1,600 years ago just because they wanted to be vegetarian, but they missed what they grew up on.
3: No, exactly. I mean, I've been vegetarian for 20 years and vegan for 10 years. Um, But, you know, there's something nice about having a burger in a bun with, you know, with the lettuce and the salad and, you know, the mayo on it. And it's, uh, you know, it's not that... um, Vegans uh, don't like the taste of meat. It's more that we sort of oppose the idea behind it and the cruelty and sustainability and all of that stuff as well. So, um, and also ultimately with VFC, we're not trying to create a product for vegans to eat. We're trying to create a product that's going to convince non-vegans, uh, the flexitarians, the meat eaters, to 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 give it a go. And the closer that we can replicate um, the the texture and the flavor and the mouthfeel of, of actual chicken, then it becomes, then it's lowering the bar and it's making it to a point where, actually, why don't I just have the plant-based version? That's better for the planet. It's better for the animals. So that's ultimately what we're working on.
2: That's so cool. So tell us, Matthew, what it's like to have a startup. There was a time when there were just a few little companies here and there Doing vegan foods and now it's enormous having been to that expo not long ago it's just really brought home this is huge so to enter into that world what does it feel like what do you do what steps are you taking
3: um well I I guess I'm a Personally, I'm a natural-born entrepreneur. So pr- prior to going vegan, I was running my own uh, businesses in, in manufacturing, in, in windows and doors, and also events. So it's something that naturally um, fits for me. You know, I like starting things, um, and uh, Veganuary was another project that, that we started. Um, that being said, I have no understanding of the complexity and that there is in the food sector. I mean, I probably if i'd known i probably wouldn't have set the company up um i mean it's been tough and particularly doing it at this time with covid you know so we've been trying to do deals with co-manufacturers in different countries and we've not been able to travel to them so you know we're doing everything via zoom uh, the world is really tricky at the moment with uh, moving goods around and having enough staff to to drive vehicles so we've and then in the UK, Brexit, of course, has made it even uh, more of a challenge. So it, it's it's been it's been tricky, but um, you know, a lot of great companies have started during recessions, and uh, it's probably you know, you, you learn very fast um when it when it's tough like this. Um and then in terms of the competition that's out there, I mean we look at all the competition as being team members, you know, certainly on the plant-based side, because we're all working. Hopefully, towards the same ultimate mission, which is uh, removing animals from the supply chain, and um, so our real competition we see as chicken, um, and uh, you know, uh, so so that, that that's the way the way we see it. And I also have been working on Veg Capital, which is this uh, venture capital fund, and, and uh, I spent about two years listening to amazing founders and they pitching their amazing ideas. To me, and I think it scratched an itch for me that um, ultimately, you know, I like I like building businesses myself. So when the opportunity came up for me to work with Adam, it just felt like a natural fit, and it's it's going very well, but it's it's obviously challenging at the same time.
2: Ah, oh, I'm sure. So, are you worried that KFC could sue you for being VFC?
3: Well, we've trademarked the word VFC in both the UK and the Europe. Um, we've also trademarked our, um, the logo and the icon and all of that stuff. Uh, and we're going through that same process in, in most of the other territories. So I think we're going to be okay on that. Um, there is always a challenge that they're going to um, sort of challenge us, you know, in terms of our overall brand um, or Quite frankly, if we irritate them in some way, I mean, at the moment, like on our social media channels, it says, thanks, Colonel, we'll take it from here. That's our strapline. And it is, I guess, a nod to to KFC. Um, But I think at the moment we're probably so small, they've not even noticed us yet. Um, And we're also we're not currently uh, looking at QSR. So we're not competing with them directly in terms of, uh, you know, setting up restaurants, fast food. So we've chosen to go down the the route of uh, food service and also retail. So in other words, getting the products into supermarkets and getting the products into other people's restaurants, because the way we look at it is we can scale much quicker. And we can feed more people much quicker doing it that way than we can starting with one restaurant and then building another one and then building another one and going down that direction. So, um, I mean, and ultimately, just to answer your question, it wouldn't be necessarily bad PR if we had um, KFC <laughs> uh, coming after us. Uh, you know, it's it's worked for, for other organisations in the past. Um, I know Oatly, for example, um, really managed to use it to their advantage when the Swedish Dairy Council were, 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 were attacking them. So I'm pretty easygoing about it, Victoria. Um, and if it happens, it happens and we'll deal with it.
2: Well, I think that's because you have the animals at heart. It's a business and you want it to be incredibly successful, of course. But the real success is saving the animals. So you don't have to be worried about your, it. It's so <laughs> spiritual. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Even people that do just like spirituality, I don't care about that stuff. But if you're vegan and if you've got the animals at the core, you get to live your life without all these stresses of what's going to happen to me. It's very cool.
3: Exactly. I mean, with the animal thing, um, we have a, a counter on our website um, which calculates how many chickens we theoretically spared um, since we've been going. So that's going up on a daily basis. And we look uh-huh. at that figure on a regular basis. In board meetings, it's the first thing that we talk about. How many chickens have we spared, and how can we how can we actually spare a lot more chickens? Um, so it, it is at the centre of everything that we do. Um, I've we have taken a really unusual strategy as a food company as well because we've taken that real activism stance. Um, we launched the company with myself and Adam actually filming inside a, a broiler farm in the UK um, because Adam. He'd gone vegetarian through Veganuary and he was just as we were starting to work together, going vegan. But I felt that I wanted him to really feel that connection to the to the cars in the same way that I had. So we just decided to, to go with a camera crew and everything. And um, we, we went and filmed. And um, yeah, I mean, he's now just he's in it for exactly the same reason that I am. It's sparing chickens. And, and since then, we've done other filming as well um and uh so it, it is at the heart of our mission and most food brands the vegan food brands at the moment are a little bit sort of reluctant to to talk about the animals it's like um it's like fight club don't talk about the fight club you know and I think even though a lot of the brands are very motivated by that they feel that it will be off-putting to the anim- uh, to, to potential consumers whereas all I can say is it's working really well for us so far
2: Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it it is interesting. I think a lot of vegans are afraid that to let people know what's really at the heart of it will turn them off. And yet I have a sense that that kindness and caring, we're not superior beings. We don't have it because there's anything better about us. We just have it because we were lucky enough to have it awakened. So if we've got it, my contention is everybody's got it. Let's at least offer them the chance. And if we don't get them through the animals, then we can get them through health and the planet and darn good taste.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, or even humor as well. I mean, we've, we've done a a billboard campaign in and around London over the last few weeks. And we, we have one of the messages is food that doesn't cost a wing and a leg. Now um, that's an underlying really powerful animal rights message but we tested this with consumers before we put it out there and something like 70 percent of people these were non-vegans uh, were positive to that message they thought it was you know quirky and funny and, and what have you so we went with that message thanks colonel we'll take it from here um what are the other billboards so we, we did another one that the fr- the, fr- the, fr- the frozen aisle just got cooler and again it's just like trying to fit into that sort of mainstream sort of zeitgeist if you like and, and trying to be a bit cool be a bit edgy be a bit sassy um we, we we're often as well with um we get a lot of trolls when we're advertising and you know we fight back a little bit but we fight back with kindness and humor um so we get a lot of these can't call it chicken why do you want to eat something you know of the question that you asked and we try and just come back with the funniest replies. And it's really helping us build a community because people appreciate us, um, not just deleting those comments, but at least trying to react to them. Um, and hopefully we'll persuade a few people to join us.
2: Yeah. Matthew, tell us about chickens. What are they like?
3: Well, I can tell you um, the chickens that I've met in um, in the factory farms. And it's, it's so difficult because... You can go in and there 's thirty thousand of them, so you 're seeing a mass and it 's difficult to then appreciate the individuals and I think this is the problem with the way it 's all set up, and it is for the farmers i mean they 'll say that they love they love their animals, but you know in every cycle of um this process where i mean that, that's just that's just one farm uh, one shed that can be thirty thousand and then there can be eight sheds on one farm so there's two hundred fifty thousand chickens and and there's like a five percent wastage um so five percent of the animals will die before they get to the slaughterhouse and it's just it's really difficult to witness that so you know the, the, the the filming that we've done we find so many of them they're struggling to stand up they're you know some of the ones that are died they're being trodden on by the others just because there isn't enough space sorry this is all a bit grim Victoria. i'm sorry um but uh, and then on a positive side we're always sharing on our social media channels footage from sanctuaries where chickens that you know have been rescued have got that wonderful life and then their personalities come out Um, it's so difficult when you they're only living to the age of 36 days old to really express any sort of personality Uh, but when they're given an opportunity to um, to live longer and to to be around other to be in a safe environment that's when it's not really come out
2: it's going to change the world so profoundly when a critical mass of people gets it that everybody with life is somebody and they're complex and they're interesting. I have a rescue pigeon. And when you talked about that short life of, of the um, the chickens, this pigeon, my daughter adopted him as a fledgling. And he he went through his adolescence, and he's now matured. And his personality is different. He, when he was little, he was very shy and d- didn't ask for much. And now he's pretty much taken over the place because he's, he's you know come into his own. And if you think for even a second about all those chickens in factory farming, all these beings with, with this, I'll say humanhood, it just really, really, I think, um, makes what we're offering so enticing so come on over get yourself some vfc and uh, check out veganuary which uh, you can find at veganuary.com and i know we're already into january but that doesn't mean that you can't start now i mean most people who started resolutions on january 1st are having to start them over now so you're right on time doing fine so when somebody makes the veganuary commitment what does that mean
3: uh, well, you're absolutely right to pick up on, you can start on January the 4th, you can start on January the 20th, you can start on June the 1st. Um, if you sign up on our website, you then get 31 emails for the next 31 days. So, um, And it really takes people through the journey. So the first emails will be just how to read labels, um, you know, where to find good recipes, um, you know, what do you need to put into your cupboards and into your larder. Um, so it's all of that sort of early stage stuff. And then we take people on a journey. Um, and towards the end of the uh, 31 days, we're really starting to educate people about the lives of animals and the environment and, you know, the effect on the planet and also on health, on health outcomes. So what I would say is, if anybody's interested, sign up to Veganuary.com whenever. Do it now. It doesn't have to be on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Um, and, uh, and then there's a huge amount of support, uh, on our website, uh, and also our social media channels as well, where people can, uh, seek support from the other, you know, there's, we also have some Facebook groups as well. I, I think it's been set up as well. So if you're in the U S and you sign up, you'll be interacting with people from the U S to get better recommendations of what you can buy in Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or whatever.
2: And do you have information on how many of the people who sign up continue or partially continue beyond the 31 days?
3: So we have, uh, we always do a survey um, in February for people that took part during the month of January. And um, typically each year it's been anywhere from a third to a half of people that do the survey commit to um, saying that they're going to stay vegan, you know, from then onwards. We then do a a survey six months later to see what proportion of the people that have said they're going to stick to being vegan actually do. And there's a bit of a drop off, but it's still pretty high um, in terms of the numbers of people that are sticking with it. What I would also say is virtually everybody that says they're not staying vegan from February onwards do give us feedback that they've reduced or they're going to reduce their consumption of animal products, because if You know, if you've been used to drinking cow's milk, for example, and then you've tried Oatly Barista and you think, actually, I prefer this to cow's milk. Then you're then unlikely from February onwards to go back to something that wasn't as good as what you've now been eating or drinking. So we feel that it's I mean, obviously, we want 100 percent of people to do vegan and stay vegan. But, you know, in the real world, we appreciate that there's a proportion are not going to do so. Um, and we're seeing that certainly in the UK where January has really been uh, uh, the strongest, the, the, the impact that that's having on the food sector I mean you know so it's helped really um, create more of a flexitarian audience, ironically as January because of the, these people that have taken part for one month and then they're uh, including more plant-based foods in their diet throughout the year so that's really uh, improve the opportunities for food companies and, and retailers to take advantage as well. That's
2: exciting. So we've talked about Veganuary, we've talked about VFC, and and you did mention also Veg Capital. And I know we're kind of winding down, but I will put in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net how people can contact uh, Veg Capital, send your pitch deck if you are a startup. So just give a little advice to people out there who are thinking, well, gosh, I make these really good chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> what, what, how do they get from uh, the oven to the marketplace?
3: Okay, well, we we um, well, veg capital, um, just to give a bit of background, we we are early stage seeds, so it's anything between 50K and 250K is, is our investment. Um, our focus is on removing animals from the supply chain. So if it is a chocolate chip cookie, we probably look at it and say, well, is this product, uh, the first thing we would do is, how is this product helping improve the lives of animals? And, you know, we would go through that process. um, And if we feel confident that it is, then we will be really keen to, to look at a pitch deck. So that's always the first place is asking people to come up with a pitch deck. And then on our website, we actually have a pitch guidance section and there's 10 bullet points on there. So uh, I can't remember what all the bullet points are, but essentially we're looking for um, people to explain, you know, what the problem is that they're solving and what the solution is to that problem. Uh, We're looking to understand how strong the management team is, how strong the marketing plan is, the unit economics, um, you know, the... go-to route the the route to market strategy Uh, you know are you going into retail food service are you going to set up a a restaurant whatever it is so we've got lots of information at vegcapital.co.uk to to give people guidance on that
2: great Um, we will tell we will send people there i so hate to interrupt you the hardest part of doing this show is that i'm on a radio clock and it's going to cut us off if i don't it will matthew glover veganuary veg capital and yum 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 vfc thanks for all you do and everybody else stay with us and uh, we will be back with our second guest uh, nick ireland immaculate vegan
1: so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
0: You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Welcome back to podcast listeners and hello, hello to anyone watching this on YouTube. You are watching slash listening to the Main Street Vegan podcast. We're first an internet radio show every Wednesday afternoon, 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And you know, we have been doing this since June of 2012 we are going to have an incredible 10th anniversary celebration coming up in a few months but i feel like every single show is a celebration it's a celebration of love and caring and this amazing vegan lifestyle so i am victoria moran host for this program for those of you who are just tuning in now and my wonderful guest is Anik ireland and she is someone who believes that fashion needs to be as good as it looks immaculate vegan her company is the world's premier vegan fashion and lifestyle platform for living beautifully and ethically and they're on a mission they love fashion and they don't just like what it does for the planet animals and people they decided to help change the system and offer an ethical and sustainable alternative without compromising quality or style welcome and nick ireland thank you so
4: much what a lovely introduction
2: well it is absolutely delightful to have you and i just have to say i love the name of your company probably because i used to be a little catholic girl but that whole idea of it's not just good it's not just pure it's not just ethical it is
4: immaculate so how did you come up with that yeah well i think it's that double meaning isn't it i think um it's the idea that you know you can make choices that are ultimately good choices for people that aren't you right for people for animals for the environment But you don't have to compromise and pick things that, you know, wear clothes that look really horrible or unfashionable or poor quality, you can look immaculate as well. Um, And I think that's often something that puts people off buying ethical and sustainable fashion. There's this kind of myth that it's going to be really frumpy, you know, or it's just going to be awful quality or it's going to be, you know, PVC, plasticky, nasty leather. And so people sort of, you know, they've got all these kind of misconceptions, I think, maybe stop them even trying sometimes. And we're just here to shatter all of those myths and say, that's not true at all. You can look amazing, you can look immaculate, um, and you can be immaculate. Wow. And
2: I think it's just like vegan cheese. I mean, I remember the days when both vegan cheese and vegan fashion were just what you're saying. The fashion was a lot of Chinese Mary Jane shoes made out of cloth (laughs) I think my podiatrist is getting rich because I used to wear those shoes and you know the cheese was I mean worse than Velvita. but now it's a whole new world and and everything is is just not only possible but superior in in the vegan realm so tell us first about yourself and how did you get here
4: Yeah, so, well, I became vegan about six years ago um, and it was sort of quite slowly, I'd become vegetarian first. And and that was really um, triggered by my getting a rescue greyhound. And it was really through my relationship with my dog, which sounds, you know, quite strange. But I think for many people, the connection people have to to the wider animal world is through their pets, right? Um, And it just somehow kind of made me realize that, you know, of course I would hate anything or anyone to ever harm her. And yet how could I therefore be part of the system that was routinely harming animals that really, you know, felt as much joy and as much suffering as she did. So that was the kind of light bulb moment for me. Um, And then when I became vegan, I just, so food was the kind of the, you know, the obvious um, area. And I found that really quite easy to be honest. I mean, six years ago, you know, it's not that long ago. There were loads of amazing options. There are even more now. But fashion, when I started, you know, searching online for things like vegan shoes, vegan bags, I thought this is going to be fine. And what I was seeing back was just kind of what you just described, right? Those kind of, um, you know, very, very limited options not very stylish looked really poor quality and so i was just thinking oh no this is this is going to be really tricky um and then i just started to really invest some time researching properly so i spent time on instagram you know on on the web Um, and what i found was that there are actually many many brands out there boutique brands you know run by very passionate founders who are often product designers first and foremost making beautiful things from some amazing materials that i had never heard of like apple leather and pineapple leather um and cactus leather so really innovative, you know really cutting edge gorgeous things but they just were really poorly known and they, you know they didn't really have a platform I don't think so that was that was the idea behind it so I started Immaculate Vegan just purely as an Instagram blog to essentially curate and show people how amazing vegan fashion could be so that no one would do that search that I didn't be put off and think oh I'm not going to bother um and then it just really took off and brands contacted me and said you know we'd love to be on your platform um, and lots of you know, individuals were contacting me saying, I had no idea vegan fashion looked this amazing. I'm gonna give it a try. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could buy it all in one place? Um, and that was the sort of the genesis of the idea. And I, you know, I was very lucky to find an amazing co-founder with my partner, Simon, um, and who I met a few years ago, who'd also sort of coincidentally said, look, I'm, you know, I'm vegan, um, why don't we do this business together? And we launched two years ago and it's been an amazing, amazing journey ever since.
2: So explain to me, this is sort of a a new business model that you're like a curator. You find these amazing things and then you offer them. So where do we find all this for starters?
4: Our website is um, immaculatevegan.com and on all the social channels at Immaculate Vegan. Um, We're essentially people are familiar with um, Farfetch. You know, there are other marketplaces like that out there. Farfetch is a really massive luxury fashion one. Essentially, it's the same model. So the only, you know, the only difference between us and a, and a major online retailer is that we don't physically hold stock ourselves. So when you place an order, we send the order to the brand and the brand sends it directly to you. And that cuts out an enormous amount of carbon emissions uh, and all kinds of you know, unsustainable operations, like having lots of different warehouses all over the world, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and you get it super quickly as well because it comes straight from the brand. So that's, that's essentially the only difference between us and, let's say, another online department store. But we are also really curated. So, you know, we're not like an Amazon. We hand select every single brand. You know, we spend a lot of time talking to them to really understand all their different processes, their ethical labor practices, because that's really important to us as well. Obviously, they have to be 100% vegan. So we really make sure that we're, we're picking the sort of, you know, the, the creme de la creme uh, of brands that are really, you know, that meet our, meet our values, I think.
2: And that was what I was going to ask next, that in addition to vegan, what sorts of parameters do you have? I mean, I think that we don't want shopping to be this like, oh, my gosh, it's sort of like looking for, you know, what charities do we want to support? And we need to do all this research and everything seems so onerous. But to know that there's a source like Immaculate Vegan where all that work has been done and we can just say, if it looks good, if it's my color, if I like it, I can have it.
4: That's really the aim. I think, I think so many people now, they really want to buy better. They, you know, they know that so many things that we buy are harming the planet or harming animals or you know, are made by people who are paid or treated properly. So they don't want any of that. But it's so hard to make decisions you know, to do that research yourself all the time. is just overwhelming. So that's exactly our aim. We, you know, we have a strict set of policies. We make it clear on our website what they are. Um, so, they, so they are obviously 100 percent vegan. Sustainable materials as well, because not everything vegan is sustainable at all. Um, Sustainable manufacturing. So, you know, things like, it can be really, really different according to the product, but, you know, sustainable manufacturers use factories that, for example, have closed loop technology where everything is recycled. Um, They'll only use, for example, certain types of dyes. Um, They'll have minimal water usage, minimal water wastage. So there's all kinds you know, solar energy. There's lots of ways that you can also manufacture sustainably as well. Um, And then packaging as well, sustainable packaging. Um, and of course, ethical labor is absolutely key as well. So those are all the different kind of buckets that we look at when we're talking to brands before we, we allow a brand to come on board with the masculine vegan. So yeah,'ve we, we've, we've done that work.
2: Uh, now do you have a sense of who your customer is? I mean, it seems to me that very often vegan is a very positive word when used to describe a wonderful food, when used to describe fashion, body care items. Maybe not such a great word often when describing a person <laughs> out there yeah. in the world. A yeah. lot of people, they love our food. They love our clothes. They're just not so sure about us. Yeah. Yeah, so who's uh, who's your customer?
4: It's actually really varied. You know, I thought it would be, you know, mainly vegan. But actually, we have a lot of customers that are, I think, environmentally conscious is probably the sort of the most common, I would say, characteristic. So they're not necessarily coming at it purely from animal welfare, although that, I think that does matter to people, but they're, re- they're obviously really concerned about climate change now and the climate crisis. Um, you know, they see issues around deforestation, around how we're harming wildlife. So they don't want to be part of that. So they're really attracted to buying non-leather items, for example. But also people are just, I think even just fashion conscious people are hearing about some of the new kinds of vegan leathers and they're really attracted to them. You know, they're seeing that big, you know, luxury brands like Stella McCartney, and Karl Lagerfeld are using cactus leather, and that's making it really fashionable and really trendy. You know, Tesla are using non animal leathers in their cars. So I think it's seen as a really progressive, really interesting, and um, innovative area as well. I think a lot, a lot of people are really attracted to that, which is brilliant because that's really helping elevate vegan fashion, I think.
2: So, did you have a fashion background or just a great fashion interest?
4: No, no fashion background whatsoever. So, my background is marketing and branding. So that obviously really does really help. Um, and my business partner, Simon, his background is also marketing and e-commerce. So from a business point of view, um, we were kind of, you know, working in this sort of similar space, but no, nothing really specifically with fashion. I think we just found that, you know, we both interested and in, really love fashion and we just felt it was so underserved. I mean, I think vegan food now, thankfully is in such a good place and it's getting better all the time. There are so many amazing companies um, but vegan fashion isn't quite there yet, and and again, it doesn't really necessarily, Even though there are great brands, and again, there are more launching all the time, there aren't many great platforms to showcase those brands, and that's what's really needed to, to take it up, to take them on mass. So, we, yeah, we just saw there was some, just a really big gap, and we thought we want to we want to help fill that gap. There's a commercial opportunity, but also ultimately there's a problem because if people don't see those kinds of brands, they're going to continue to buy into leather and wool and silk and all those really harmful materials, and we don't want that to happen, you know. So we can have a you know we can be a mission driven company that really tries to change things but there's a, there's a gap here where we can we think we can run a successful business as well
2: i love this and i love like the evolution of of what's happening because i started my career in fashion i actually moved to london to go to fashion school when wow. i was 18 and i remember a book that i read at that time where the author said you're as good as your leather and at that time that seemed like a reasonable thing to say yeah. but as as individuals and now as the whole you know population is starting to have a higher consciousness and understanding that's that's not a thing leather that that was somebody's skin and in between being an animal and being a handbag there's a tanning process and probably human rights violations and all kinds yeah. of environmental mm-hmm. awful things going on and to be able to see that we're now in a time where You're as good as your ethics.
4: So I like that. I like that. I might steal that. That's great. Well,
2: well, that's the thing. You know, the idea, I think it's a little bit like on the health side. You know, there are are people who are not vegan in in their health views, physicians and that, they're pro keto or whatever, but they really cannot claim to be holistic. Because how could you be holistically healthy when you're destroying this planet on which everybody's health depends? And I think it's the same with fashion. I I mean, unless you want to look like Cruella de (laughs) Vil, you just, you can't be chic. You can't be glamorous
4: unless you're also kind. And I I think that's a really important point because I think the goal of everyone that works in vegan fashion is to position vegan fashion exactly that way. You know, that it is... It is the most fashionable kind of fashion. It is the most attractive, and actually, ugh, leather—how old-fashioned, right? You know, how how tenth century is that? Um, you know, we don't need that anymore. We've got great leather now. We've got cactus leather. So I think it, it's really positioning vegan fashion as the kind of the zeitgeist—the you know, the thing that everyone should be wearing, rather than you know, oh, you should do it because it's it's just good. You know, it's good for the planet. I think you need to position it in a really compelling way.
2: Yes, absolutely. So, what is your greatest greatest achievement
4: to date? Oh, wow uh I mean we've got I think we've got many um I mean the fact that you know we're still here through COVID we launched just before COVID uh so we weather that you know horrendous storm um and and come out much stronger we've actually managed to grow hugely in that time and I think we've been very lucky in a way because you know in some way COVID has actually shone a light on what we're doing to our planet and um the impact between you know human behavior and our environment so that I think is actually you know helps get more exposure around the vegan cause in some way I would say really our biggest achievement is just it's what I feel most proud of is when I get an email from a customer and, and we get, you know, we do get quite a few people saying, you know, you, you've, you're, what, thank you for what you're doing for vegan fashion. And the fact that I think there was one quote that I really liked, which was, you know, a woman who said, you know, I went to a party um, and I was wearing these amazing shoes. And somebody said, you know, how gorgeous are your shoes? And, she, and she's like, oh, and, you know, thank you. They're vegan. It's like, it just feels so good to be able to say that because that's how you're really acting as an advocate. You know, we, you know, just because we're vegan doesn't mean we want to look rubbish. We want to look really good. And that's how we can show people that this is what vegan fashion looks like. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just the customers. We have some amazing customers. We've got people that have bought from us. Uh, I think we have one that's bought from us 22 times uh, who's, you know, we've got some super fans and it's, and it's those, I think really, you know, it makes you think you're doing something really, really good and really right. And people really like what you're doing. So we just need to keep, you know, keep going.
2: Oh, that's, I loved your story about your customer. Uh, Several years ago, I saw some amazing vegan boots and They were expensive. And I thought, this is ridiculous. You don't need boots, even though when you fold over the cuffs, they're periwinkle blue. And I couldn't get them out of my mind. And I went back the next day and bought them. And I feel that they have been such an activism tool because everywhere I go, people, all different kind of ages and demographics, you know, oh my God, they're boots. I love your boots. Your boots are just so cool. And every person I get to say, "Why, thank you. And they're vegan. So, why not? Why and not the, use these things as a it. way to yeah. save, save animals and the planet fashionably? Wow. So,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> you, you're in marketing, so I'm sure you have some kind of five year plan. And we're we at the new year right now, and happy <laughs> epiphany to people who are listening as soon as this uh, podcast is, is being broadcast. So, what's your plan going forward?
4: Oh Well, I mean, ultimately our plan is to become, and this sounds quite grand, um, but to become the platform for ethical and sustainable living. So right now we are very focused on fashion because that was a very obvious area where there was a problem, I think, and we wanted to help solve that problem. We've really concentrated on shoes and bags because they're the sort of areas often made of leather where people really struggle. Um, we've just launched men's, we're launching kids next year, so that's a big gap as well. But really, we want to be able to inform and inspire people on how to lead a more ethical and sustainable life Um, because we know people want to but it's just it's really hard sometimes they don't know necessarily what to do how to do it and they can't always find the products and services so what we want to do is essentially answer all those answer all those problems for them
2: and can people order from all over the world
4: they can so by far our biggest markets are the UK and the US Um, but we do ship or most of our brands ship um, to lots of other places as well, including all over Europe um, and some other places, including Australia, New Zealand, um, South Africa, Hong Kong, a couple of others as well, Japan, I think as well. So yeah, so we're pretty, we're pretty global. Yeah,
2: that's wonderful. That's how we're going to get a vegan world by doing vegan. this everywhere. i okay, right, a vegan world. So... Our guest in the first segment of the Main Street Vegan podcast today was Matthew Glover, who was a founder of Veganuary. And I know that you guys are doing something uh, in January of 2022 uh, to support Veganuary, to do some work together. What's that about?
4: Yeah, so we'll be doing a bit of a Veganuary takeover on our site. We'll become Immaculate Veganuary, uh, new logo. Uh, we'll be doing lots of great offers. Um, we're doing some content uh, that we're sharing with Veganyary as well about how to lead a vegan lifestyle, how to take Veganuary, you know, into fashion, um, and just doing everything we can to kind of help spread the word and get more signups for them as well. I mean, ultimately we have exactly the same goals. I'm hugely impressed by what they've done over the past few years. I think they're amazing. I also love Matthew's company VFC. I think they're probably the best marketing, have the best marketing campaign and best marketing messaging ever. Uh, such good activist brands. So yeah, I think I think you know we really love working with other vegan brands and vegan organizations.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. So I want to talk with you a little bit about style because obviously we're both fascinated by fashion, and yet we're both wearing black sweaters. <laughs> so there's <laughs> oh, something
4: I about burgundy. There we go. I've got a little bit of color.
2: You do. That's cool. <laughs> but there's something very appealing about simplicity so tell me about your style and how that works in your life
4: yeah I mean I think if you know you can kind of see my style the immaculate vegan style really and it's generally very classic and quite minimalist um and I've always kind of been into that kind of style but actually what I realized with immaculate vegan is I sort of think it's the most sustainable as well so you know one way to be sustainable is obviously to you know to buy things themselves that are made in as sustainable way as possible if you're going to buy anything at all Um, but also it's to buy as little as possible and by you know if you're going to not buy many things you want everything you do buy to really count you know you want it to last as long as possible in terms of quality but also style so I'm not really into any kind of fast fashion styles at all I'm into very classic items Um, you know I tend to be have quite minimalist wardrobe very kind of you know a few colors a lot of black Um, although I do like some really lovely you know rich autumn-y winter shades as well but yeah not Um, not very trend-led, I would say, but I I think that's also, for me, that ties into sustainability as well. I love things that you can wear for, you know, 20, 30 years quite happily. I've had a few things
2: like that. I'm thinking as as you talk about when I was in London for fashion school so long ago, one of our teachers was from Paris. So, of course, we just were in awe, and she did look fabulous every day. And (laughs) one Saturday, she had several of us over for lunch, and when she was in the kitchen, we snuck into the bedroom to look in her closet, thinking that we were going to find this giant closet with all of these clothes. And instead, it was this lovely little closet with two jackets, two dresses, three blouses, two pairs of pants on these padded hangers with an inch and a half in between. And that was such a visual lesson of how little it takes to look amazing every day, if what you have is quality and fits you. And certainly what we're saying now, you know, fits, fits this emerging character that we're all growing into, of of caring about other beings and and the earth itself.
4: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's my ideal, like that kind of, but I think, you you hear like the tales of how many billion tons of items go, you know, fast fashion clothing goes into landfill every year. We just, we cannot sustain the volume of stuff that we're buying. Um, And so I think, yeah, we've got to somehow break the cycle of, you know, it's constant fashion all the time. You need to buy into the latest trends. and The trends change every month. And, um, you know, there's very, very high volume of very, very low priced, ultimately designed to be, to fall apart after a couple of wears kind of clothing. So I think that structurally the system is pretty broken and needs to change so it's not just about being vegan obviously for us that's really key but it's but it's the whole structure of the fashion system i think and in a way it's kind of going back to a much older system of, of you know that very beautiful immaculate minimalist style isn't it it's not you it know is. it's not a new we don't have to invent something new we just kind of need to go back to some some older concepts of what style was really about
2: yeah well it's a beautiful marriage of this relatively new idea of compassionate fashion and the classic idea of some perfect pieces. And I know Joshua Catcher of Brave Gentleman always says, when you're buying something, buy the best you can possibly afford. Just don't buy very much. And if you need other things, just do a resale, do secondhand.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, my mom had a saying when she was growing up that she sort of gave to me, which was I'm not rich enough to buy cheap things. Uh-huh. And I really like that because it is a false economy. Ultimately, if you're buying cheap things, you know by exactly by the best you can afford and obviously that's different for different people but you can you know you can still buy really high quality stuff second hand as well yeah and make it last
2: so tell us and, and am I saying your name correctly Anik you are saying correctly yeah Be- which is beautiful amazing. beautiful name tell us about your day what's it like being a vegan fashionista at oh the heart God. of vegan business <laughs>
4: Uh, well, most of the time I'm not very fashionably dressed. I'm normally sort of very because I work from home like all our team do. Um, but I mean it's yeah, it's very busy, um, but it's really, really varied. I actually love it. so I could be you know researching new brands to come on board. Um, I do I do all the marketing myself. Um, so I could be writing social posts, doing emails, working with our digital agency who are running our ads, um, talking to our PR consultants, um, having a team meeting. Um, getting new products on board. So it's, I mean, when you run a very small business and we only have a team of five um, permanent people, we all just have to get really stuck into everything. But I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's incredibly rewarding.
2: I love it. I love it. And I love this tagline, you have fashion that's as good as it looks. That's but the aim, exactly. It's, it's meaningful. I love the idea of everything that we do, whatever we eat, whatever we wear, whatever we do for recreation it's not just what it is, it's also what it does.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, and I, and I do think that really resonates with people now, doesn't it? I think we're seeing more and more people that are, that are really aware of the impact of the choices that they have and, and are making those connections. Yes. I think, anyway, I know, I still think it's hard. I mean, a lot of people find it very hard to connect an item they're wearing to that person who might have made it in a factory in Bangladesh, for example. Yes, but I think there are so many good organizations now that are exposing what happens and showing the lives of those people um, and, and it's just about making those you know, human connections in the same way that you make those animal connections to animals that are being farmed as well. Um, so yeah, thankfully there's a lot of great work happening in, in, in all those areas, but a lot, a lot more to be done still.
2: Well, I'm so excited that you're there, everybody. It is ImmaculateVegan.com. I mean, come on. If you went to Catholic school, you've got to at least go to the (laughs) website just to see what Immaculate Vegan looks like. And they are Immaculate Vegan on all social media platforms. So thank you, Anique. And thanks to um, Matthew Glover. We got to get some of those VFC burgers going on. (laughs) yeah I just tasted one I've already said this to Matthew so the other listeners have heard this but that that is one chicken like burger and hopefully it's just going to save lots of chickens and open lots of minds so may you have great success let's do stay in touch I'm certainly going to uh Go over to Immaculate Vegan and do a little bit of New Year's shopping. <laughs> and to everybody listening, oh my goodness, it's almost epiphany. That means you're supposed to have an awakening. So maybe your epiphany this year will be your diet. Maybe it will be your clothing choices. Maybe it will be opening up to the idea that living kindly and gently and gracefully is just the coolest thing that ever was so if you're watching on youtube i hope you'll subscribe victoria moran nyc and if you're listening as a podcast thank you and thanks to unity online radio for making this possible for low these just about 10 years so to everybody as you embark on this fabulous 2022 may it be grand and glorious and as we always say god bless you and